Welcome back to another episode of Fudge and Meat. I'm Anastasia, I'm Meat. And I am Lily, and I'm Fudge. We've got some very exciting things today. We're going to talk a little bit about the beginning of the brewer season. We're pretty psyched about it. It seems like it's going pretty well. But first and foremost, this will be really quick. The NFL draft is in only three days' time. Woohoo! So <laughs> we're going to be looking at who we think the Packers' top draftees should be. I will admit a lot of these people will probably go in the first round, so the odds of the Packers snagging any of them pretty slim, but if we can take a quick grab at any of these guys, I think we'd be pretty excited to have them. So I think that's the point of how this top five is going to go is if we can get one of them, <laughs> we'll be we'll pretty happy. We'll be, we'll be pretty happy about it. So without further ado, here we go. The top five picks for the Packers. Lily, give me a drum roll, please. Number five. We have Kyle Pitts. He's a tight end from Florida. Now, the reasoning behind this is that we have one fantastic tight end right now, and that is Big Bob, who we know and love, who you guys know that we love. Our favorite. Um, But our thought process was it has been many years since we've had a great tight end. And while Big Bob is currently fulfilling that role, it would not be bad to have another guy in the back burner considering that we have other weapons. We've got two great running backs, A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. And we also have a plethora of wide receivers coming up. A lot of people last year wanted a weapon, so we thought this year we'd add a weapon to the list. And if Big Bob happens to go out for injury or anything like that, it might be nice to have a backup tight end who doesn't suck. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think we really benefited from just having a good tight end. And I yeah, I think just having a really diverse offense and giving Aaron Rodgers the weapons to choose from, that was obviously the main goal with last year's draft or what fans wanted, um, which we didn't necessarily get. But I, I think the idea is that Aaron Rodgers is talented and can make a variety of plays. So when you give him the options to do that, our team really succeeds. Oh, for sure. Agreed. All right, number four, we have Rashawn Slater. He is an offensive tackle. Now, um, one of our best offensive tackles, we've got David Bakhtiari. He does fantastic when he's in that position. But as we saw during the season, when Bakhtiari is out, causes a little bit of trouble. Um, we always like to add to our O-line, especially because we've said it once, we'll say it a million times, Aaron Rodgers loves to take his time dancing around in the pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, so in the off chance that Bakhtiari might be out again, which I think led to our demise in some of the games last season, it would not be bad to recruit another another offensive tackle and add someone to the O-line. Yeah, I. this just makes sense. It just makes way too much sense. Like... I mean, I, I feel like you can never go wrong with an O-line player, right? Because they're always right in the action. They get injured so, 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 so often. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like it's always a safe bet. Well, and we had so many guys last year moving around, kind of <laughs> filling in where they, when they needed to, where they needed to, So on our offensive line. So I think this is just, if we don't pick up someone for our O-line, I'm going to be a little surprised, to be completely honest, but... I agree. All right, our number three. Now, number three and number two, we actually debated upon. I feel like they're very switchable. These are two very top candidates for the Packers. Mm -hmm. Um, But our number three is one of my personal favorites, Stanford's cornerback, Paulson Adebo. Um, I go to school with Paulson. He's a great guy, but also he is a fantastic player. 
And if we look at our cornerbacks, we've got Jair Alexander. We got uh, Jair Island, you know, doing his thing out there. But also, also as a as an interesting pick, the Packers decided to re-sign cornerback Kevin King, um, which. You know, let's just say I would not mind having a guy as athletic as Paulson taking the spot of Kevin yeah. King because of, we t- we talked about this with the Packers' decisions that when I don't know if I support it. <laughs> just confused. Um, yeah, so, you know, getting a young star cornerback who can, uh, you know, take the outfield as well as Jair, I feel like we'd almost be unstoppable. Jair's just so good, and... The chance of just having somebody else out there who can be also just as good. I mean, come on. Come on. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel like this pick is mostly just because of resigning Kevin King and how, how we think it's uh, um, so ridiculous. It just doesn't make sense to me still, but, you know. Okay, Packers. Rip. Okay. Yikes. Yikes. Go, Paco. And now, are you ready for our number two? Like I said, these are easily switchable. We have... God, I hope I'm saying this right. We have, I think it's supposed to be Elijah. Elijah Vera Tucker, USC offensive guard. A-L-I-J-A-H. That sounds right. Could be Elijah. Could be Elijah. <laughs> we could be either one. Um, but I feel like he's he's one of the safest, safest players in the draft class. Like we said, we always love adding to the O-line, especially because our O-line gets beat up so often, especially an offensive guard. You know, having someone right in front of Rodgers um, seems like a great move to us. Um, also, he is perhaps one of the best players in the draft right now. You know, he's had peak performance this whole season, and so I feel like I honestly think a lot of teams are going to run for this mm-hmm. guy. If you have a fantastic OG on the field, you know, like we said, drafting an O-line is so, so important. You'll always get a few of those guys within every draft. Um, so for us, we think protecting Rodgers is probably our main goal. I, I think last year... We wanted a weapon so badly and didn't realize how fantastic a lot of the mm-hmm. players we have on the field already are. And now that we can see guys like Alan Lazard, MVS, you know, step up to the game, we've got AJ Dillon, uh, Big Bob. I feel like a weapon is a little ne- less necessary. Like I said, it's interchangeable with having Paulson, mm-hmm. Adebo as as a good cornerback, but we think O-line for us is especially important. I mean, we saw Rodgers get tackled more than we would have liked. <laughs> And so I think just, once again, allotting Rodgers that time to do what he has to do for us seems like a priority. Yeah, I mean, we've already kind of discussed it, but it just seems like we do have a pretty balanced offense right now. And protecting Rodgers is the most important thing, especially with injury scares. And he's getting up there in age. And I think we need to acknowledge that when he goes down, it gets scarier after each passing year. Like... I only get more worried. Well, I mean, he's already been, he's already broken that collarbone twice. I really don't think I could stand to see it again, especially because if he does this time, his career over. is over. So, like we said, for us, protecting Rodgers is our main priority. I think the defense could also use some work, like we said, with our cornerbacks. But still, Rodgers, <laughs> Rodgers is our number one. Well, are you guys ready for our number one recruit? You, if I think. Lily, we agreed that this to us makes the most sense. It seems like, I think the rest of them are our picks, which probably won't be uh, seen through, but I think if the Packers pick any of these players, 
This seems like the most Yeah, likely. we agreed that out of any of these, we do think our number one pick has the biggest... Is the most... Is the most yeah, we think like... the Packers may draft him. Uh, so. Uh, so, our number one pick for the Packers 2021 NFL draft is... Uh, Stanford quarterback... Davis Mills. Now, our reasoning behind this is because the Packers love to choose slightly adequate quarterbacks. Um, They love to choose people who don't fit with the team at all, and they love to piss off their fans. And we think picking Davis Mills would do just that. He's definitely not a first-round quarterback. Um, I don't see how he would add to this team, and he's genuinely a wasted pick. Also, he's a quarterback, so... Seems like someone the Packers would love to recruit. Like, this started as a bit of a joke, but now I kind of just want to see it happen. Not first round, but... What What really, it, it breaks my heart a little bit to think that out of all, all of these guys, you know, a lot of them will be taken in the first round. And also just by judging how the Packers draft went last year, he really does seem like the most likely... <laughs> I just want to see it happen just a little bit. Like, you know, maybe... Yeah, again, not first round, but I would just like to see this happen. Maybe not second and maybe not third. Just but <laughs> I think I think it would piss off a lot of people. And, you know, what? what's an NFL draft without the Packers making their fans Yeah, angry? if we don't have at least one, like, terribly upsetting pick, what's the point? Someone has yeah. to be questionable. And, and I think I think Davis Mills would be beyond questionable. So, you know, I think it would balance out if the Packers this year decided to uh, draft based off the needs of our team. Um, you know, they can balance it out with one absolutely horrendous pick. So <laughs> go for a few great players and then throw Davis Mills in the mix and it's a Packers draft, oh, yeah. baby. So I think we'll potentially <laughs> check back in after the draft and... See if any of our picks came true. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. See if uh, David... Um, <laughs> David. Davis Mills is part of the next... <laughs> is officially a... If he becomes a little yeah, bit... Uh, part of the next generation <laughs> of the Green Bay Packers. I think I think Aaron Rodgers would lose mm-hmm. his shit. Um, I think I would as well. But then again, you know... It's a Packers draft, man. You know, it's they love the unexpected. Don't they? Don't they? I feel like I feel like Gutekunst and Lafleur just—they got something up their minds. sleeve this year. I can feel it. They, oh yeah, and I that that thing up their sleeve might I just, just really be Davis Mills. Um, I God, I kind of do too. Um, but those were our top five. Obviously, the first one is a little bit of a jest, but at the same time. I'm genuinely concerned that he might end up on the team because, dear God, it's the Green Bay Packers. But now we're excited to talk about Lily's most favorite thing in the world, the Brewers. And obviously, this is a little harder to discuss because football plays once a week, baseball plays a kajillion times a day, um, (laughs) or a kajillion times a week. Um, And so we've got a lot of material to cover so please just bear with us yeah so we were kind of weighing out what was the best way to approach this and basically we are 20 games into the season already which is crazy to think about um and i think we have covered at least 
I think we're at what seven series that um, the Brewers have played. So we're gonna kind of do a quick recap of Woo-hoo. the different series that they've played this year, and then just talk about some of the biggest talking points this season and what has really stood out to us um, so far. So, opening day, magical. I think the Brewers just have a knack for having putting putting some magic out there on the field on opening day. So, you know, it was not that, <laughs> that it was a fairly underwhelming opening day. The Brewers seemed like they were going to lose it. But then they got some men on, and Travis Shaw tied it with a great base hit, and then Orlando Arcia walked it off with a little infl- infield bloop that, like, bounced over the pitcher. It was crazy. Lorenzo Cain slid in, and it was just so dramatic and so perfect. And it was just one of those things where it was kind of like, I think we're going to be off to a good start this season. Well, I, I always think, you know, playing a good first game and just like giving it your all, like the first game I think can often set the tone for the rest of the season. Oh, it so always does. Good for them. But then they lost the next two games, which sucks. You know, and Corbin Burns in the second game was in a pitching duel against, oh, it's Barrios. Rios. I'm so sorry. I know how to pronounce his name. The Twins pitcher. Phenomenal. He's a good pitcher. Gotta give him credit. And he gave up that guy. A, a, sing- a single run to Keon Buxton. And it proved to be enough for the, the Brewers to lose that game. And game three was an absolute blowout and we lost our opening series. Which was just really disappointing, I have to say. I was kind of worried going into our first series against the Cubs. Cubs because guess what we lost the first game of that series too and I was like okay I thought the Brewers could be pretty good this year I know it's still really early but this is not a great start but then Freddie mm-hmm. Peralta game two pitched a gem he threw he pitched a phenomenal game and he just is really showing what talent he has and I kind of helped solidify the conversation about how good the Brewers' starting rotation is. In Game 2, we hit Lorenzo Cain hit two homers, and, or Game 3, I'm sorry, in the series finale, and helped push the Brewers to their first uh, series win of the year. And it feels so good to do Ooh. that to the Cubs at Wrigley. Like, I don't think anything beats that. I, I oh, oh, yeah. Oh, there's there's nothing I love more than Oh, it, it just feels really Chicago. good. And I think... Especially the best as feeling a in the Brewers world. fan living in Chicago. It just feels too good. Like, just way too good. Yeah, and Glorious. I also even. want to say, we, this is one of the first appearances for Josh Hader. Second appearance, I believe. He did great. He has had a great um, outing so far, but let's continue on. So, um, our third series was against the St. Louis Cardinals at um, Bush Stadium. And we lost the opener, which was very disappointing. So, Nolan Arenado, I love the guy. He's a great player. But I hate to play him, and I hate that he's a St. Louis Cardinal now. I really do. Um, He hit a two-run homer in the eighth inning, I believe, of the first game. And that ended up being enough for the Brewers to lose, which... Really sucks. Really sucks. And again, Corbin Burns, he struck out nine in six innings in that game and didn't give up a run. He pitched a gem and ended up being part of a no decision and didn't get anything from that. 
But after that, the Brewers were. <laughs> well, it just, just the way sucks you said you that. Guy pitch a game like that, and then it ends up being a no decision for him. It. I just always feel for him. But yeah. Oh, 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 game two and three. Oh, Brewers bats were electric. They scored nine runs in um, each of those games, so it was nine to five and nine to three in the last two games of the series. Um, Avisai. Hell we got yeah. some like, dubs, baby. No, uh, Avisail yeah. Garcia was a scoring machine, and he hit two homers in the series and drove in seven runs. So he's kind of living up to the potential we were expecting out of him last year. And it was just really exciting to see. Everybody was having really solid outings. We're getting on base. And you just gotta love it. Colton Wong made his return to St. Louis in a pretty emotional at-bat. And even though he didn't end up playing the rest of the series... It was just a really nice moment and great to beat the Cardinals, especially because going into the uh, beginning of the season, a lot of people were saying that the Cardinals were the favorites to win the NL Central. And of course, myself as a Brewers fan disagreed. And this is kind of some early... No, not biased. Not, not biased at all. Um, that was a purely scientific Yeah, and this was just um, nice deduction. to see that the Brewers could kind of have some, like, put on a gun show for who's atop the, who's atop of the NL Central. Who, who'd we beat? We beat you. So I just enjoyed that. And then right after that, who did we see again? The Chicago Cubs, but this time at American Family Fields. So Freddie Peralta pitched in the first game and got the W. Great game again from him. He has just, he has started off the year pretty damn well and seems to be seeing the Cubs a whole hell of a lot and we'll probably see. I'm going to guess that his starts will probably coincide with some Cub games in the future. Um, Urias had a beautiful, and I mean beautiful, three RBI double in his pinch hit appearance that helped guide us to the W. And then in game two, Woodruff had a really solid outing, but... Wilson Contreras hit a two-run homer in the eighth, and it just was too much for us to overcome. We will talk about Wilson Contreras a little bit later on, because I have some words. But we won't get to that now. And then, game three. Holy shit. My, mine, my, part of my French, but holy shit. Corbin Burns. <laughs> he showed up and just pitched the most ridiculous game. And in addition to that, he got a two-RBI single. Meaning... He had driven in more runs than he had given up that season so far. And they ended up shutting out the Cubs, and we were able to win our second series against them. And we're winning. I wish you, I wish you guys could see the notes, because um, this section literally begins with, yeah, I'm just baby. so excited about it. Yeah, just, baby. That's my, like, response to every series win is just, yeah, baby. Woo! Um, but... Now, ooh, the series against the Pirates. I'm not going to talk too much about this because it was just bad. We can really forget about this one. Um, we were able to light it up in game two, and <laughs> it was a good outing then. But in game three, when we had the chance to win the series, we went to extra innings, and we're not able to overcome the runner on second roll for extra innings, and we never were never able to get back into it. And I just have to say, in game one, Brubaker pitched a really, really beautiful game, and he just deserves some credit. The Pirates suck, um, 
but they have some they have some nice pieces there, so I want to give them some credit. Okay, moving on. Ooh, this series lit up my world. This was I oh, I was really worried after facing the pirates and just sucking and losing the series. I was very worried about facing the San Diego Padres because they have been one of the hottest teams in baseball with Fernando Tatis Jr. Um, I hate Manny Machado, but he's a good player. And they've had some really, really, really phenomenal pitching. So I was really scared to play them. They've kind of been highlighted for the Dodgers versus Padres matchup this year and have been almost always in the top uh, five, even top two of the baseball power standing power rankings. So let's talk. Game one, Brandon Woodruff, holy shit, dominant as hell. The start of our rotation is just insane. You go from Woodruff to Corbin Burns, and they both just lit it up and are able to show the like type of aces they are. Corbin Burns, he set a record then. He, this like, this hasn't happened before. He threw 40 strikeouts, issued 40 strikeouts, without giving up a single walk to start the season. This hasn't happened. Uh-uh. Has oh, not happened. Phenomenal. <laughs> it just makes me really excited. He also currently, um, at this point, had a point zero or a point three seven ERA. Like, that, crazy. Just crazy. Like, uh, I don't even know what to say. Like, our offense was showing up without having Yelich, Kane, and Wong. And we were able to put on a friggin' show against the Padres. Uh, Luis Urias, he hit a homer in his game one return to the series, and he did end up leaving for a leg cramp, but boy, you gotta love it. The team that traded him away, boom, goes yard against him. Love it. And, oh, Billy McKinney? Let's talk about him. He made that ridiculous catch. Like, unreal <laughs> to save some runs and keep the game at zero. And... Boy has been hitting, like, he's been really raking. Good for him. He, you know, Yelich is sidelined, and McKinney's filling in for him. And, you know, looks like Yelich is a bench warmer right now. Like, <laughs> ooh, ooh, I, it's okay, I, I have reason. I would we'll talk about that later, too. Mouth. But Billy McKinney, way to go, bud. And after this sweep, which, again, it just feels too good. Sorry, Padre fans, but saying that we swept you just oh, tastes great. Um, so we, we had our third series against the Cubs over the weekend. And the day before this, I got my first dose of the vaccine at Wrigley Field. And I wore a Brewers hat to rep the team. Hell yeah. Woo. It was just really cool. As you should. But I was like, should. damn, Brewers are here. Gotta They're going to play a game tomorrow. And, of course, they opened up the series with a loss. Uh, they, <laughs> The Cubs just came out swinging, and we lost 15-2. to two. And uh, to anybody who watched, Brett Anderson went out in the first inning um, with an injury, and Josh Lindblom came in, and the runs just started pouring in for the Cubbies in the first two innings. And throughout the game, they just continued to rake and it was not a good look but we knew that we were going to be having freddie peralta come in the next day and then brandon woodruff after that so stressful but you know we, uh, 
Oh, for sure. You know, the Bru- the Bruce just like to keep their fans on their toes. They wanted to keep that's, us on that's edge. That's what it was. You know, they just. So game two that's, did get a little closer comfort. Reason. That's the only reason. And Freddie Peralta didn't have his best outing ever. But Manny Pena, pineapple, hit a tie-breaking two-run homer in the seventh. That was enough for the Brewers to hold on to a win. Hater got the save and was stressing me out so much. But Buddy did a great job. And let us talk about game three. Brandon Woodruff, big woo. Oh, just pitching a gem yet again. And uh, I gotta say, happy debut to Corey Ray. He um, got <laughs> in his first at bat. He was walked, and he was and and he was walked and made it on base. So good for you, bud. And then Tyrone Taylor got hit by a pitch. And Corey Ray was driven in, so he got a run there, too. So, good for you, Corey Ray. Very proud of you. Um, it it was just really good. Like, it's just good to see the Brewers shut out the Cubs. That is the third shutout of the Cubs this month, this season already. And I believe that is, like, tied for a franchise record of how many times we've shut out the Cubs in a month or a single season. I'll get back to you on that at some point, but regardless... Ooh, Shutting out the Cubs at Wrigley is exactly what we want to see. Fly the L. Oh, yeah. I forgot this, too. We put up five runs in the ninth. In the ninth inning? What? We just lit it up. It was good. It was just, you know, getting some insurance runs. Cubs were imploding. I'll take it. I will always take it. So, okay. We're going to talk about a few things. That um, are some sort of like hot topics uh, for the start of the season and big things that you should definitely take note of. So, the I think biggest talking point right now has been the Brewers starting pitching. Um, yeah, I was gonna say if you didn't hear pitching, and you know people always say podcast, it pitching wins games. Clearly, you haven't been paying attention. It does. <laughs> it usually, more often than not, will help you win games. Of course, it does. You need some offense out there too, but. If you can get some run, if you can get some like a good pitcher in there, and the runs come, you'll be fine. So, Brewers pitching across the board has been ridiculous, and people have been upset with the Brewers for not really ever going after any aces or getting anybody to really solidify the starting rotation. But while this has been happening, the Brewers have been growing their own aces with their pitching development lab, and have just really been showing what they can do to sort of build these guys up to be just as dominant as anyone else in the game. So let's take a look at it. Within their first 17 games of the season, the starters had a collective 1.90 ERA, which was the lowest in franchise history um, for, I believe, any 17 games. And let's just take a quick look at a few of the starters. Brandon Woodruff um, currently has a win-loss record of 2-0 in five games. And has an ERA of 1.55, 34 strikeouts, and a whip of 0.72. And, uh, oh yeah, um, he has a zero percentage barrel, he has a zero percent for barrel percentage, which nobody's hitting his balls out of there. Nobody's hitting them like that. He is maintaining, he's managing to maintain very little contact, um, on his pitches, which, good for you, bud. Um... He's, he's just too good. Like, we've already known this. He's too good. Uh, Freddie Peralta has also had a nice start at um, with a win-loss record of 2-0. and 
has issued 38 strikeouts and has put up a 2.45 ERA. The rest of the rotation hasn't been bad by any means. Um, Hauser and Brett Anderson before his injury have been pretty solid, but they're just not as remarkable as Woodruff, Peralta, and Burns. And I want to give a quick shout out to JP Fireisen. Um, he is a Wisconsin native from River Falls, and he was originally drafted by the Indians and then was traded to the Yankees and never really made it out of either of their farm systems. The Brewers traded for him in 2019, and he made his debut um, on July 24th, 2020. Um, oh, oh, he has been something else for us this season. Oh my god. In 12 starts, he has not given up an earned run, and we've kind of been seeing him later in the games. And he's just really found a solid place in the bullpen where he just seems to fit in perfectly there. It just feels really, really good to see like a kid playing for his home team. And it's just even better when he's you're playing as dominantly as he is. So Yeah, and it's just it's also great to just watch athletes like Yeah, he has just been and really, really, and really impressive and I've always and been really spot, excited to see know? him out of the pen. He's just pitching. <sighs> he is really nice stuff. So, Jonathan Paul Fireisen, you go. Love you. You're you're one of my favorites this year. Uh, if you're listening for some reason. So, Devin Williams, he really has not started out this year phenomenally. But in the past few appearances he's had, he just seems to be kind of getting a little bit more comfortable and is getting his confidence back. Obviously, it's really hard to follow up a rookie campaign like his, where you win not only Rookie of the Year, but Reliever of the Year. So it's just really great to see him having some better appearances as of late. And of course, this is not surprising, since a lot of the people in the league are getting more used to seeing his stuff and his ridiculous changeup. But you're doing good. You're adjusting. I'm proud of you. Uh, Josh Hader, what is there to say? He's just already been great. In seven appearances, he's yet to give up an earned run, has four saves and 13 strikeouts. Um, he has only given up one hit and walked four, and he's faced 25 batters and struck out 13 of them. So, good for you. Haterade! Woo! Drink it up! <laughs> Pretty impressive, bro. Oh, man. Okay. This is what I think everybody has been waiting for if you have been listening to anything about the Brewers lately. Corbin Burns. Oh, holy shit. King Corbin. Future Cy Young winner Corbin Burns. He has been ridiculous. He has been unreal. Like, he had a really good campaign Pop it in off, 2020 to say the least. and was just showing some ridiculous stuff, but I don't think we knew he was going to be this good. So, I uh, I just want to kind of talk briefly about what my memories of Corbin Burns have been as a Brewers fan recently. So, uh, I remember a couple seasons back, when I heard he was coming out of the bullpen, I would wince. I was like, okay, so we're throwing the game away now. That's it. Okay. We're, we're losing. In 2019, he had an ERA of 8.82, which, not great. And he was not happy with himself. And I believe, like, right as soon Mm-mm. as the season ended, he decided to go to Arizona and started working with the Brewers Pitching Lab early into the 2019 offseason. And, woo, it paid off. So, right now, let's just take a look at his stats. He is currently 
so while we're talking, there is a game going on right now, um, and he is making a start tonight, but obviously we don't have the info on that, as it is currently in progress and not at a complete game total. But he currently has an ERA of 0.37, a whip of 0.33, a war of 1.4, and an opposing batting average of 0.98. And, oh yeah? He has dealt 40 strikeouts while issuing zero walks. Corbin Burns is the first pitcher since 1900 with 40 Ks and zero walks in any four-game span. Since 1900. That's insane. That's an insane stat. Like, like he is either leading the league in categories or is at, or is like in the top two in every single category. And, oh yeah, he has batted in more runs than he has given up. It's pretty and insane. I just want to say, a lot of people have kind of been hating and saying that he hasn't faced, like, enough talent to prove himself or to be that good, and that we're facing, like, the Cubs who are hitting really poorly initially. But let's take a look at his last 10 starts. In 57.2 innings, he has had a 0.78. Uh, ERA, 92 strikeouts, and has issued only 8 walks. Like, this is just crazy. Everybody's been saying that we have not seen a pitcher like him, and we really haven't. So, Corbin Burns, go you. You are insane, my friend. Like, love you. So, we're going to briefly talk about some new brewers. Uh, Colton Wong and Jackie Bradley Jr. There's not a ton to say, um... But I'm happy to have both these guys on the team. Um, I remember when JBJ was signed, I was a little surprised given our strength in the outfield with Kane, Yelich, and um, Garcia. But without having Yelich and Kane in the lineup due to injuries, they have been a really important part of our roster. He has been a really important part of our roster. Um, he hasn't really heated up in terms of his offense, but he is just so good on the defensive end that you really can't be too upset with him. Uh, Colton Wong has just been exactly as advertised. He has been ridiculous. He has been not only a great hitter, but he's made our infield just really great on the defensive end of things. So go you. <laughs> Love you. Um, I want to talk quickly about some bounce back players. Um, so Travis Shaw, welcome back. Oh, how we missed you. I really missed you. Um, our problems at third base were answered in the form of Travis Shaw returning as a brewer. He had a really outstanding 2017 and 2018, but was just lackluster in 2019. And after a great rookie campaign by Keston Hira, we said goodbye to Travis Shaw, thinking that our future was elsewhere and he wasn't in it. And he made, our, <laughs> he made his way back to us. And we picked him up during spring training and managed to kind of make a deal with him and he has stayed with us and he, he's been really hot so far and has been hitting really well but he's been covering the bag so well at third so it has just been really great to have kind of had our answers uh or oh man had our questions answered at third so good boy uh let's talk about omar narvaez and avisel garcia um, so they were both signed with big expectations. Narvaez was filling the spot um, left by Yasmani Grandal after he signed with the White Sox. And Garcia was coming in to help improve our outfield. Both had 
I'm going to say very disappointing 2019 campaigns and really did not have a lot to show for after they both signed multi-year deals. But they are both just having a way better 2021. Um, Garcia has been a lot more promising in 2021 so far. He dropped about 30 pounds and managed... Yeah, he he's a big guy. Like, big muscular guy. And he just slimmed down a bit. Wow. And he's always been a fast base runner. But now he's super, super, super speedy. Um, and he's managed to maintain his power at the plate. So he's been hitting the ball really hard in these past 20 games. Um, I would say... He had the hottest bat on the team. Oh, sorry. I was moving into no more Omar Narvaez there. Um, he's already had more. So, Avasail Garcia has already had more homers than he did last year. And now, let us talk about Omar Narvaez. He has been just an absolutely standout player in these past 20 games. He has had the hottest bat on the team by far, uh, posting a 0.389 batting average with three home runs. He has just been consistently getting on base and has been hitting really well and is a great catcher defensively. He just deserves a ton of credit for how much he's improved. And he only had a 1.7 or 0.176 batting average in 2020, so that is a big improvement. Um, some other big news. We traded Orlando Arcia away early into the season. Um, this hurt. I will not lie. I didn't see this coming, but we traded Orlando Arcia to the Atlanta Braves for the, the right-handed pitchers, Chad, Sub oh God, Sabotka, and Patrick Weigel. And the Brewers signed Arcia when he was just 16. After spending a long time as a top prospect, he made his debut in 2016, and he just never really lived up to the hype of just how good he was supposed to be. He has, ugh, he's just such a character and really charismatic and a fun guy in the field. He's just really exciting to watch. But this move seemed inevitable after we traded for Luis Urias last season. And, you know, he is now filling in the spot as everyday shortstop. And we were able to get two solid pitching prospects out of this. So I'm hoping that this trade will have been worth it in the long run. But with the way that Urias has been playing this year... I think I think it will be. I really do. Um, and then we're going to do a quick injury report. Colton Wong, Lorenzo Cain, Christian Yelich, and Brad Anderson. Um, so our big bats have been out of the lineup to the start of the season due to injury. Uh, Colton Wong strained his left oblique and is now back in the lineup after his stint on the IL. Um, Cain has a strained quad and should be making a return pretty soon. Uh Brett Anderson was placed on the I.O. with a strained hamstring after his start in Chicago the other day. And this does put some more stress on our starting rotation, but we should be able to work it out. And hopefully he'll get better soon. And then Christian Yelich. So he is known to have his lower back issues um, by having like back spasms in the past and things that have kept him out of the lineup. Um, but pretty early on, he was uh, put on the I.L. with a strained lower back. Uh, after plateauing recently and having the team having not seen too much improvement, he got an MRI over the weekend to see if there was anything more to be concerned about, but there wasn't. So they're going to try to start improving his um, amount of activity, and fingers crossed we will see him return by the end of the week, but who knows? Um, it is really frustrating to have these injuries early on, but I would just like to say that 
we need to put them on the IL and make sure they're healthy when we can afford to right now and not down the line when it the games really count and really matter. Like, if we're in a division race and all of a sudden mm-hmm. these three guys drop, we're not going to... Uh, that's not what you want to see. So I'd rather have this figured out early on. And then finally, the Brewers are on top in the NL Central. What? So... One of the biggest things that's already been talked about coming in is hit-by-pitches, the Cubs, and Wilson Contreras. So there have been a ton of hit-by-pitches to start the season, particularly in our series against the Cubs. Uh, Wilson Contreras did get drilled in the head. Um, I forget by which pitcher, but that was bad, so I understand him being really upset. But he was hit, I forget if it was that pitch or another time, but after being hit, he started to charge the mound and the benches cleared. And it seemed like a brawl was almost going to start. Thankfully, it didn't. But I... He leans over the plate. I'm gonna say it. And a lot of people have said it. So it's not just me, like, putting out a hot take. He does. He leans over the plate. In one of the hit-by-pitches, he leaned into it. I'm sorry, Cubs fans. He did. Um, so I'm not a fan. And then it got worse. Because uh, Ryan DePera, he threw behind Brandon Woodruff... And Brandon Woodruff, of course, kind of looked at him like, yeah, come on, why'd you do that? And Tapera eventually said that he did try to send a message by throwing behind slash at Brandon Woodruff and was suspended for two games. Um, So this rivalry is already hot and full of a ton of tension. Um, We've faced them nine times already in April, which is not how that would usually go down. Um, and we've shut them out three times and won every series against them, so... I don't want to jinx anything, but yeah, watch out, Cubbies. Um, so... The Brewers are currently sitting atop the NL Central with a record of 13-7. Uh, St. Louis is the closest behind, um, sitting two games back. But this has really been a good start to the season. Considering all the injuries, I think that we just have to be really happy with how the Brewers have started off. I certainly didn't think they would start it off like this, but boy, I'm happy they did. So what comes next? Uh, The Brewers are currently starting a homestead where they're going to be playing a three-game series against Miami Marlins starting tonight, um, right as we are recording this. And after that, they are facing the reigning world champions, the Los Angeles Dodgers, for a four-game series at American Family Field. I'm a little worried about it, but I think it's going to be a fun fun series to, to watch, so... That just about concludes the our discussion on the start of the Brewers season, which, <sighs> yeah, a lot of info. 20 games is a lot to cover with a lot of info. How much is You happened, need a minute to so digest that. Apologies for that. I think Go for we've it. been. It is a lot of games to cover. A little, little too busy right now. So hopefully, yeah, we'll... Yeah, things will be recorded a little bit differently coming up, I believe, but... We've been a little behind. Yeah, very Hopefully exciting. I'm just up. very happy, very excited. I've really been enjoying watching so far, and I like to see what this team has to offer. Yeah. And in fact, she's currently watching right now. Do as it. you guys should be. Sit down, put your butts in front of the TV, check out the Brewers, see what's going on. Um, 
Well, if you like this episode, please let us know. We will be back with, of course, more Brewers, more baseball info. It's only going to get deeper. It's only going to get awesomer. Um, so stay tuned <gasps> for that. Also, remember the NFL draft oh is in God. three days, and we get to celebrate our one-year anniversary because our first episode ever, Mansplaining the Draft, yep, it's been a year, was going over the Packers draft decisions and what we thought oh, about them. Wow. So we'll definitely be coming back out Holy with Mansplaining God. the Draft the anniversary uh so stay tuned for that everyone but <laughs> well thank you if you've been sticking around for a whole year of fudge and meat thank oh you my gosh yeah, we'll put, we'll put a on a nice year. episode if, if this uh, is your first episode welcome to our second anniversary we'll put on a nice episode also if you want to follow our twitter it's been popping yeah. up um Especially because we have been so yeah, lazy it's just with the podcast. We apologize that Twitter definitely keeps up with the Brewers games. So you might want to check that out. It's fudge and meat. Um, so thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with more content. Hopefully the next baseball one, we will have a little less info so it's easier to digest. And be Bye, prepared for you. Mansplaining the Draft Part 2. Um, so I guess this is us signing off. Thanks so much, guys. <laughs>